0: what's up everyone welcome to the podcast i'm your host isaiah koban it's may 28 2021 and this is lift and learn episode 37 In this episode, I'll be talking about if you should cut out sugar completely and how wearable technology can help you get started when it comes to your fitness journey. Before that, though, I'll talk a bit about what I've been up to lately, and that might include fitness-related topics, and it might not. If you want to follow me, your host, on Instagram, it's isaiah.copan, and you can also check out my website, isaiahcopan.com. The podcast is on Instagram at Lift and Learn Podcast, on Twitter at Lift and Learn Pod, and also on Facebook. You can just search Lift and Learn Podcast. With that being said, let's get into it. We'll start off with the typical shoulder update for this week. Things actually looked and felt good this week. I got back to finally doing shoulder presses starting this week. I overestimated my strength though I figured I was gonna start off uh, the process at 25 pounds and for shoulder press even standing that used to be pretty light for me but that was actually really difficult so I had to lighten the weights even further and I ended up finding out that 15 pounds was actually a good starting point for me I can't shoulder press perfectly right now because Um, as my shoulder tracks like towards the midline of my body, there's a little pain and discomfort in my shoulder, but I'm working on mobility to fix those issues. So as long as I just stay on my plan, I should be good to go whenever the gyms do open up sometime this summer. And I didn't get to go to the basketball court this week, but I definitely will next week if the weather keeps up this nice little streak. It's been so nice out. It's been so easy to get the walks in this week. I broke in my tennis racket this week a bit. Uh, There's a court near me that had those things that you can play with against the wall, so I did that once. And on to sports. The NBA playoffs have actually been pretty great so far. Most of the games were pretty close and competitive. And the Knicks, actually, the crowd was so hype. Spike Lee was like going crazy the past few games, even though the Knicks did lose the first game of the series. Trey Young had this nice game winner, in case you missed that, little floater in the lane with less than a second left. And let's talk a bit about this Clippers versus Mavs series, I mean, how good is Luka Doncic? The dude was just hitting step backs and one-legged fadeaways, literally like... It looked like it was, he was just playing practice out there. And the Clippers are still the joke of the league. <laughs> and hockey, like I said last time, Colorado's looking good. And they ended up sweeping St. Louis pretty easily this week. They were the first team to advance to the second round. And the Leafs won a few games this week. They ended up winning three in a row. And then they went up in the series 3-1. to one. And then I just finished watching Game 5, and they lost in overtime. Not even a minute into overtime, and Montreal ended up scoring. I mean, why does that always happen? So that one's going into Game 6, which is on Saturday, and the winner of that series will be playing the Winnipeg Jets. Alright, who else made it through? Uh, Carolina, I think they won today as well. Uh, Boston, Tampa Bay... Islanders beat the Penguins, I'm not sure if that was an upset or not, and Edmonton, oh my god, what a choke job they did. They were already down in the series 2 to nothing, and in Game 3 they had a 4-1 to one lead in the third period with I think less than 10 minutes left, so a 3 goal lead with less than 10 minutes left or something, and within 5 minutes or so the Winnipeg Jets ended up tying it up before the end of regulation. And in typical Oilers fashion, the defense and goalies just absolutely let them down and they ended up losing in overtime, so they were down 3 to nothing in the series after that. And, I mean, let's face it, the series was pretty much over at that point, and Edmonton got swept. But that game, that 4-1 to one lead in the third period, I mean, the Leafs know about that one. I mean, they did the same thing to Boston a few years ago. Moving away from sports now... I read a new study when it comes to exercising, and you already know that I'm a pretty big advocate of getting up every half hour or every hour or so, just so that you're not so sedentary just sitting or lying down all day. Well, there was some new research that pertains to the pandemic since most of us are still at home, either working from home or out of jobs or whatever the case may be. Okay, so first off, the study pointed to the fact that if you were to just work out for 30 minutes a day, then that apparently reduces the odds of early death by up to 80%. But that only applied to people who sat less than 7 hours a day. The thing is, that same uh, 30 minute workout actually didn't change the early death risk if you sat for more than 11 to 12 hours per day. But also, according to the study, a good way to reduce the odds of early death by up to 30% is to do 3 minutes of uh, moderate to vigorous exercise, or 12 minutes of light activity every hour that you spend sitting down. That does actually sound like a lot of time, actually, but it makes sense if you're trying to uh, fight and, or combat all of the time that we now spend sitting in one spot, basically evolving into this human form where we're hunched over our laptops or computers or phones for hours on end. I think the bottom line here is that getting up every hour or so and doing any kind of activity is going to be good for you in the long term, even though it doesn't seem like it's doing much in the short term. And getting your daily exercise in, no matter what that is, will give you some sort of benefit. There was also another study I'll dive into a tiny bit before we get into the fitness topics for today, and this one was about sleep. And if you're still team no sleep, or I'll sleep when I'm dead, then listen up to this one. A new study coming out of Michigan State University was done on caffeine battling sleep deprivation, or the lack of sleep, basically. The conclusion there was that caffeine can actually help you stay awake and do your tasks and give you energy, and we already know that. But it's not going to prevent errors that could occur from the lack of sleep. Basically, sleep is king when it comes to actually being recovered and trying to do tasks properly without errors and basically just being at the top of your game. They mentioned that caffeine doesn't do much to prevent the sort of procedural errors that can cause things like medical mistakes and car accidents. Kimberly Fenn, a psychology associate professor, said that their findings highlight the importance of prioritizing sleep. This is something that seems pretty obvious, so it's good to see that these new studies are coming out showing the benefits of getting a good night of sleep. And that's something I didn't prioritize until just a few years ago. Even when I went to school, which was less than 10 years ago, I was in my early 20s and was still team no sleep because you think you could do it all and you have more time during the day to do whatever you want since you're sleeping so little. Eventually, though, I noticed that I wasn't thinking as sharply or just not having the same amount of energy as I would compared to nights where I got a good amount of sleep. And that lack of sleep would 100% creep into other aspects of my life, like the way it impacted my mood and my strength in the gym. Topic 1. Should you cut out sugar completely from your diet? So first off, no. I'm part of the fitness camp that says substitution is better than elimination. Especially when it comes to like complete elimination. This is because it's gonna be easier to stick to. That habit is gonna be easier to stick to because it's not as groundbreaking of a change in your life. Honestly, I learned this the hard way when I had my own clients who used to eat multiple snacks a day or would have um, sugary drinks every single, like with every single meal basically. I remember at first, when I was a new trainer, I would just tell them to cut it out completely. But the thing is, you'll drive yourself crazy trying to avoid anything entirely, especially trying to completely eliminate something like sugar from your life, because it's everywhere. The amount of headache and stress finding foods with no sugar would just be a waste of time and too much work, honestly. And cutting out sugar could actually work for a few days, You could see some weight loss cutting it out of your diet. But the thing is, after a few days or maybe even weeks, if you can get there, after that brief short period where you cut out sugar, eventually it'll find a way back into your life. And this is what happened with my clients 10 times out of 10. It worked for a few days, then eventually you're going to be eating it again because it's pretty much unavoidable to avoid all sugars these days. Luckily for me, That client had already signed on for months in advance, so I took her aside and told her that this whole fitness journey, if we're talking about the long haul, we need to make small changes and see how our body reacts to it. You'll develop a better habit that way, doing these small changes. Then when that becomes consistent enough, you can take another small step in whatever direction you're going. Doing anything cold turkey is usually a hard idea to fully see through. If you're a smoker and go cold turkey, that could work for some people, but those first few weeks are going to be brutal. Sugar is actually pretty similar in that way. Sugar is and can be an addiction. You crave that sweetness and that taste, so we have to back off of that slowly. So instead of those sugars from chocolate or whatever, we can substitute, that's a better term to use and a better habit to do, substitute some of those sugary snacks for some fruit. The thing is, you might have to eliminate some of the snacks you eat if you're having a lot during the day, every single day, but for the most part, substitution should be the go-to route. Like I said earlier, eliminating sugar completely from your diet is going to be nearly impossible to maintain anyway. There's sugar in so many things, and sugar and fruits have actually been shown to have pretty much no negative effects, and those natural sugars are accompanied with vitamins and nutrients and minerals, as opposed to the typical sugar or added sugars that you'll find in highly processed foods. I talked about this in episode 28, about the difference in sugars between fruits and highly processed foods, but I'll summarize that one a bit here. Intrinsic sugars are found in fruits and even milk. They're naturally occurring sugars. These are good for you and have been shown to have no negative or adverse effects. The complete opposite of free sugars included in honey and everything else that's processed like, you know, those beverages like Coke and even things like bread. Intrinsic, which is the good sugar, that hasn't been shown to decline health, so... They're good when it comes to consuming sugars. That being said, added sugars is something that you should keep in mind. You don't need to cut it out completely, but reducing your consumption of it will be beneficial in so many ways when it comes to health and a lower body weight. A good first step would be to avoid drinking sugary drinks. That's basically anything not water, but milk, uh, milk is okay. Like I said, you don't need to avoid it completely, but just reduce your consumption over time if you're trying to do something similar in your diet. If you actually look at what's in those flavored drinks, you could possibly be ingesting something like 40 grams of sugar per serving. Have you ever tried to weigh out 40 grams of sugar? It's just ridiculous how much added sugars they put to make these drinks uh, taste so good. It's all about balance when it comes to sugar consumption and it could lead to health problems like diabetes if it's not under control. Now, you could substitute those added sugar items with artificial sweeteners, and while that may be good if you're just looking at calories only, the studies have actually shown that long-term consumption of these foods with artificial sweeteners was actually still associated with increased weight in the stomach, and... They could actually interfere with gut bacteria, which could cause a whole nother issue in itself. So again, some kind of substitution, and possibly a little bit of elimination if you're at the extreme end, is going to happen when it comes to these snacks and sugary drinks. This is why, again, tracking your food is super important. Even if you're not on some kind of diet, it's good to just know exactly what you're eating and putting into your body track what you're eating and spend some time looking at those nutritional facts on the app like MyFitnessPal or whatever. It could be a real eye-opener when you see how much added sugars you eat throughout the day. Sacrifice just five minutes of social media and do something that's actually going to benefit your health. Spend those five minutes looking and analyzing what you're eating and see how you can slowly improve or decrease whatever bad habits you tend to lean towards. So, anyways, the bottom line here is no, you should not cut out sugar completely if you're looking to be more healthy. If you are trying to be more healthy, though, it would be a good idea to reduce your consumption of added sugars and substitute some of those highly processed foods for better alternatives like fruits or whole food snacks. If you're someone who likes to drink those flavored drinks, let's say, for example, you have a flavored drink with every meal. At first, just try to substitute one of those times with water, and then try to get into that habit more often, and that'll be a good start. Sugar is not evil. It's there to add flavor to meals and foods, but it becomes dangerous if you're having too much of it every single day. That's where the problem occurs. Topic 2. Wearable tech to help your fitness journey. Here's something I haven't talked about much on the podcast, but it's actually about how wearable technology can actually help you when it comes to losing weight or being more healthy. The devices are so powerful now, and it's gone through a boom over the past decade or so. Personally, I've owned a Nike Fuel Band, a Fitbit, I don't remember what model now, and for the past few years I've been using the Apple Watch to keep track of certain metrics that'll help me stay in shape. Okay, so the first one. That's the Nike Fuel Band. It was decent for its time, and I only got it because it was a Nike-made tech product. But the device didn't really do much. From what I remember, you click its only button, and it basically just shows you how much movement you did that day. I think it counted steps, but it was a pretty limited device because... That was one of the first big devices to hit the market that I actually paid attention to at the start of the wearable tech industry. And in the end I forgot what happened since it's been so long now but I think my display stopped working or the button stopped working. I don't remember what it was anymore but it was actually a common issue and I was supposed to ship mine back to Nike and I'd get a replacement but Honestly, I didn't even send it back to them because it just seemed useless after about a year of owning one. It didn't really give me any real data, but it was a nice piece of tech to just wear around my wrist. Then I had the Fitbit. I think it was the first or second model. When it came to actual data, this one had a lot more things that it tracked when compared to the Nike Fuel Band. It tracked my sleep, my steps... I could even track my nutrition on there if I wanted to. And now I've been using the Apple Watch for the past few years. I had the Series Zero, which is the first model, and now I'm using the Series Three, I believe. And that's coming up on its last legs when it comes to getting updates or whatever, but it still functions perfectly fine and you're able to do so much on these devices now. Even with the new Fitbit devices, I've seen and played around with the newer models too because some of my clients have them, and you can track your sleep, steps, it'll give you an estimate on how much of an incline you walked, and I'm sure that's just probably a little bit inaccurate, but it's better than nothing if you need to know that sort of metric. You can even track your cycle on there, and then they'll give you suggestions on what you can do to sleep longer or more restful if you had a rough sleep. And with my Apple Watch, I can track my walks on there, my steps, also my sleep, and if I was turning in the middle of the night, or if I was restful. There's even that Whoop fitness device, I think Joe Rogan was advertising that at some point. And that one even comes with some kind of optional running program you can do too. You get my point. These devices have gotten better over the years, and there's still lots of room in this space. There's a bunch of fitness devices out there, and I do think that they can help someone with their own fitness journey. Now, I know it's been helpful for me and my clients, especially over the past year or so. Since the gyms haven't been open, that means I haven't been working as hands-on as much as I used to before. And before, because I was basically out all day training clients... I used to walk at least 15,000 steps daily easily, sometimes even into the 25,000 step range. And now, since I'm mostly at home doing the whole online thing, that might mean it could be pretty difficult for me to take even 5,000 steps a day if I don't actually force myself to get up and do anything. Even just from a calorie burning perspective, obviously I'm not going to be burning as much calories if I'm not moving. But overall, that's going to affect your health if you're just not moving as much as you used to. I've said it so many times, these days we're not moving as much as we used to, and now we actually have to be mindful of that and remind ourselves to get up every now and then. If not for the calorie burning purposes, then just do it for your body and make sure that you don't develop or make your posture worse by being in these hunchback positions for hours. So, that's something that wearable tech could actually help you with. It'll keep you aware of how much you're moving, and it's a pretty decent way to track the steps you've been taking, and that'll signify if you're just being still all day and not moving, or actually getting up and possibly getting fresh air that you need. And I don't think tech devices will necessarily get rid of the need for personal trainers, since those companies' algorithms may not work for everyone. But it can help you uh, it can help you get in the right direction. It could give you that extra motivation you need in order to just get up and move. Sometimes the devices will give you some sort of notification when you complete a certain number of steps per day. So that could help nudge you in the right direction when it comes to just getting up and moving. I think uh, one of my clients has one of the newer Fitbits and, It shows like fireworks on the screen when you hit like your step goal, so that's pretty cool. In an extreme case, these devices can even now signal to you if something is off inside your body before it becomes a serious problem. They have dedicated devices that'll track your heart rate and heartbeat, uh, and the latest Apple Watch actually has an ECG built in. So that could give you a heads up on things like possible heart murmurs or defects like that. I think I even read that future Apple devices or Apple watches could actually track your blood pressure as well, and possibly even your blood glucose levels. Now, just getting a fitness tracker alone won't mean that you'll be in better shape, or automatically means you'll be more healthy, but it could be a tool to help you get there, or at least get you into a routine and schedule where you're moving. And that alone could be the start of you wanting to be more healthy and could help you develop these good habits that you should be doing, which is walking and just in general moving around. If you're lacking that motivation, a wearable piece of technology could actually help you throughout your fitness journey. And that concludes episode 37 of the podcast. Thank you for listening. If you really enjoyed the episode or my podcast as a whole, then please leave a review and comment on iTunes or whatever your choice of podcast platform is. Also, if you haven't already, you should hit that subscribe button because I'll be releasing episodes every Friday. If you want to follow me, your host, I'm Isaiah.Kopan on Instagram and you can also check out my website IsaiahCopon.com. If you want to follow the podcast, you can check out at Lift and Learn Podcast on Instagram. And there's also a Facebook page if you just search Lift and Learn Podcast. Again, thanks for listening. And be sure to tune in next week with another episode where I'll be talking about how you can stay motivated or dedicated and why you need to track your own fitness journey.